Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 2. Amen. I want to say as we're turning there this morning, I want to say thank you to everyone who came out Wednesday night and helped us setting up, tearing down all of the fine detail that took place in between. Amen. The from the grilling of the delicious hot dogs, amen, to the bounce house and all the fun that we were able to have. Why don't you give yourselves a hand clap? Let's thank those that came and served to make that possible. Amen. We had a great turnout from our community. Many, many guests that came out. Don't forget our next family cookout is going to be the 24th of August. Amen. That's a Wednesday night, and that will be right here at Living Hope. And we encourage you, come and invite somebody to come with you. Amen. Amen. So thank you to everybody. Good to see Marco. Amen. Marco, thanks for coming out to see me and visit with me for a few days. Amen. Good to see the Velasquez family back home. They were down in Florida visiting with family. We're glad to see them back home safely. Amen. Good to see Sister Joy's mom here all the way from Missouri. Amen. They're pastoring a church out there, and we're so glad to have them have her with us today. Amen. All of our guests, Living Hope, let's just make some noise for our guests today. Let them know how excited we are that they are here. Amen. And uh, Brother Mike Smith, I just want you to know last Sunday we prayed for you and we're continuing to pray for you. I know the untimely passing of his cousin. Just a lot surrounding that that I know is just overwhelming, but Mike, we're praying for you. We love you. Praying that God will bring comfort and supernatural provision in this situation. Amen. Amen. 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse number 1 tells us that it came to pass after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said unto him, Go up. And David said, Which city should I go into? And the Lord responded to him, Go to Hebron. So David went up thither or he went to the place that God told him to go his two wives also Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail Nabal's wife the Carmelite verse 3 and his men that were with him did David bring up every man with his household and they dwelt in the cities of Hebron verse 4 tells us that the men of Judah came and there in Hebron they anointed David king over the house of Judah Amen. It was there in Hebron. Verse 1 told us that it came to pass after this. The after this was the death of Saul and the dwelling of David in Ziklag. But after that, he comes to Hebron, and they anoint him there to be the king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying, that the men of Jabesh-Gilead were they that had buried Saul. Amen. I want to preach for just a little while this morning on this thought. Kings don't reign in Ziklag. Amen. Doesn't make sense to you right now. I know the word Ziklag wasn't even in our reading. But hopefully by the time I'm done, that title will make sense to you. Kings don't reign in Ziklag. The Lord bless you. You could be seated. 
in various ancient cultures, there has been an artistic allurement and an attraction to the beauty that can come with limiting potential and possibility. Take, for example, the ancient Chinese fashion frenzy of what is called lotus feet. Simply put, the trend was the intentional restriction of the growth of a woman's foot. From the time that that lady was just a little girl, her foot would be tightly bound with cloth strips. The toes would be tucked under and bent beneath the sole of her foot and then wrapped in bandages. Over time and with great care, the foot would yield to the will of the bandages that had been placed upon them. The ideal foot within these cultures of a female woman would be no more than three to four inches in length. While the cruel practice, amen, the cruelty of this practice, today we would consider that to be sadistic and cruel, but in its time it was a statement of wealth and stature. Amen. Having a daughter with lotus feet sent a message to all that the family was wealthy and that the daughter was more, more attractive to successful and wealthy suitors. Or there is perhaps another that I would state that is similar in its principle, the ancient Japanese culture of the bonsai tree. These trees possessing potential to stand high and strong would be placed within a small confining pot. Their taproot, which is the root that reaches deep into the soil, bringing them nutrition and strength, but that taproot would be severed. Uh, and the result would be rather than a mighty tree standing out in the wild, uh, that rather than a, a mighty tree on the backdrop of a wild forest, that it would be relegated to a small ornament uh, placed upon a tabletop or a desktop, nothing more than a few inches in height. And while these cultural practices were appreciated for their artistic appeal, there is an adversary that is actively working to confine your development and restrict your potential. Uh, amen. Just like ancient cultures would take something that was intended to be much greater and they would restrict them to say what a beautiful thing it is to be able to control something, uh, to rob it of its potential. Uh, and instead of something wild and something beautiful in the wild, uh, it's nothing more than an ornament on the desktop. Uh, that is what the enemy wants to do with your potential. Uh, that is what the enemy wants to do with the anointing that is God has placed to upon your life. He wants to bind it. He wants to restrict it. He wants to limit the calling and the anointing that God has placed upon you. Amen. So rather than it being something that God can use, it's something that the enemy controls. It's nothing more than an ornament on the desk of the adversary. Amen. But I've come today to preach to a people that have made up in their mind the devil's not going to limit my potential. The devil's not going to bind the anointing. Amen. The devil's not going to hit me. The devil's not going to hold me back. He's not going to keep me from being everything God has called me to be. Kings don't reign in Ziklag, much like the artistic attraction of these ancient cultures. To take something and control and limit their potential, so too was this place called Ziklag. Ziklag was a beautiful place but it was also a binding place. It was an alluring location, but it was also a limiting location. Ziklag was a timely blessing, yet over time it was depressing. First, let me speak to the blessing of this place 
that the Bible over time, many times, speaks of called Ziklag. Amen. First of all, it was a place of refuge. 1 Samuel chapter 27, I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. And again, this is the chapter preceding the one that we read in our text this morning. That the Bible would say, after this, David went up to Hebron. And it was there in Hebron that he was anointed king over Judah. But this is the before. Amen. This is the picture before David is anointed king. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 27 verse 1. The Bible says, David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines, and Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in the coast of Israel, so shall I escape out of his hand. David is saying he's relegating him to the fact, he's surrendering to the fact that one day Saul is going to kill me. It's going to happen. But for now, I can buy myself a little time by escaping into the coast. The Bible says in verse 2 that David arose, and he passed over with 600 men, and there he came to Achish, the son of Moak, the king of Gath. And David dwelt with Achish at Gath, he and his men, every man with his household, even David with his two wives, a man by the name of Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the Carmelitess, Nabal's wife. And it was told Saul that David was fled to Gath. And the Bible says in verse 4, that when David came to this place called Gath, that Saul sought no more again for him. Amen. I want you to understand the relevance and the power of that passage. That in verse number one, David is saying, it's, it, it's, it's just a fact. It's just a matter of time. I've surrendered myself to the fact that one day David Saul is going to kill me. It's just a matter of time before Saul finds me. And when Saul finds me, he's going to kill me. But it's just a few verses later that David comes to a place called Ziklag. And now the very man that he knew it was just a matter of time before he kills him. David says he's not seeking me any longer. Why? Because I found refuge in Ziklag. A few years ago, I had gotten up early on a Saturday morning to go for a run. At the time, we lived in uh, Emerald Hills, a development over just south of Great Mills Road. And I was about a mile into my nice, steady pace. Now, Mike, don't get me wrong. This isn't a run in your book, but in my book, it's a run. A mile or two, I would run uh, down to uh, around the, the, the park, over Lancaster Park, Again, Mike, don't judge me. He, he, he runs like 30-mile runs when he runs. But I, I, was, I had just settled into my nice, easy pace. And when I heard a low rumble of what I could tell, by, everybody heard a dog bark and you knew by the first sound of that dog it wasn't a chihuahua. Right? It, it, it wasn't some, you know, little, uh, little terrier. It, it was, you, could, you didn't have to see the dog and you knew I, I, I need to fear for my life right now. That's what happened on this day. I was jogging down the middle of the road in my neighborhood, and I heard the sound, and so I instinctively looked to find where the sound was coming from, and it was a slobbering, snarling, satanic Rottweiler. If you're the owner of a Rottweiler, amen, I, I'm sure it's a nice dog, but on that day, I didn't have time to find out. It was a massive dog. It was the biggest Rottweiler I've ever seen. And I could tell by the way it was looking at me that it had plans for me. And whoever the owners of this massive man-eating beast were, they decided that it would be a good day to leave the gate open. 
And I knew that I was about to be dinner for a Rottweiler. And so my light jog instantly became a frantic sprint. And then it became a world-class jump onto the top of a Jehovah Jireh ram in the thicket, providentially placed minivan. Thank God for minivans. I could feel the rumble of that snarling, growling Rottweiler. I could feel the ground shaking every time his thunderous paws hammered against the ground. I expected to turn around and see that massive beast ready to chomp me. But what I saw instead was that Rottweiler came right to the edge of his yard and he stopped and stared at me. Thank God for invisible fences. And that's what David is saying. David is saying Saul was after me. He had me dead to rights. I just knew that it was over. But then I came to Ziklag. I came to this place of refuge. I came to this place that as long as I was in Ziklag, Saul wouldn't seek me any longer. Amen. Anybody ever come to a place in Jehovah Jireh? Anybody ever come to a place in Jesus Christ when it looked like the enemy had you dead to rights? But you found your way into a place of praise and you found your way into a sanctuary of prayer and the devil couldn't pursue me any longer I found my way into the sanctuary and when I made my way into the sanctuary the devil stopped pursuing me In verse 1, David says, I'm as good as dead. But in verse 4, he finds Ziklag and he says, the devil didn't seek me any longer. Saul didn't seek me. I want to tell somebody today, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. I came today to tell somebody that you feel like it's just a matter of time before the enemy destroys you. Let me introduce you to Jesus because his name is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. The New Living Translation says Saul stopped hunting him. I know I'm preaching to people in this building today that you need a ziklag. Amen. You're facing enemies that you can't outrun. And you're facing circumstances that you cannot outmove, outmaneuver. You've been fighting addictions that you've come to a place like David. And you've just decided it's just a matter of time before this addiction takes me out. I've got to tell you there's a ziklag. I want to tell you there is a place where your enemy will stop pursuing you. I want to tell you there is a place in Jesus where your enemy will stop pursuing you. Any testimonies in the house of people that used to be bound? used to be under the control of addictions and you thought you could never get loose but one Sunday you walked into church and you found your way into a ziklag. Amen. One Wednesday night you walked into church and you found your place at ziklag. Amen. One Monday you walked into your prayer closet and you found your way into ziklag and that addiction has been broken. The captivity of the enemy has been released. If you've got that testimony, you ought to do more than sit there and stare at me. You ought to let somebody know there is peace in Ziklag. 
And if he did it for me, he can do it for you. If he did it for them, he can do it for you. I'm preaching to people today that are dealing with demons. Amen. When I talk about demons, I'm not talking about spooky, demonic things coming out of. I'm talking about past, past mistakes and regrets. Anybody ever heard the statement, amen, that you got to deal with your demons? That's what I'm talking about. Amen. You're dealing with demons. Amen. That the more that you run, the closer they get. And you just surrendered your fact, yourself to the fact that it's just a matter of time before you die at the hand of Saul. Amen. I introduce to you today my Jesus he is a Ziklag he is a city of refuge I don't just worship so you can watch me move I worship because I need a refuge I worship because there's an enemy pursuing me I worship because I need a safe place we need to have those places in our lives that are safe and secure. I like what the psalmist wrote in Psalms 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When that Rottweiler, when the enemies, when the wicked, even my enemies, and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and they fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise up against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after. I've got to get to Ziklag. I've got to get to the house of the Lord. Amen. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. See, that's the problem for some of you. Sunday church is just something in your schedule. It's not really something that you've got to get to. Church isn't something that I do for social status. It's something that I do for my survival. It's something that I do for my salvation. One thing. One thing. One thing have I desired the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple for, in the time of trouble, he will hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. And he shall set me up upon a rock. If you're here today and you've got trouble in your world, I want to tell you you came to the right place today. Amen. I want to tell you you're in the right place today. Amen. There's safety in the house of the Lord. There's a refuge in the house of the Lord. Amen. God will hide you. Hallelujah. It was a place of refuge. It was also a place of Refreshing and restoration. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6 through 8. I'm going to read portions of this chapter. The Bible tells us, first thing that I would just emphasize is verse number 1 of 1 Samuel chapter 30. lets us know that everything I'm going to share with you takes place at Ziklag. It goes on in verse 6 and says that David was greatly distressed. For all of the people were talking about stoning him. I could see how that might cause distress. Because the soul of all of his people were grieved, they were angry, they were upset. Every man for his sons and daughters. The Amalekites had come and taken away 
their sons and daughters. But David, the Bible says, while everybody is talking about stoning him. Amen. That's not talking about getting him a good hit from the dealer on the street. I'm talking about picking up rocks and ending his life. Amen. The people were talking about stoning him. And in the midst of that, David, the Bible says, encouraged himself in the Lord. Where did that happen? It happened at Ziklag. Amen. Ziklag is a place of refreshing. Ziklag is a place of encouragement. And David turned to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, and said, bring me the ephod. Amen. I don't have time to sit around and cry about my problems. I need something supernatural. I need a word from God today. I need a visitation of the Spirit of God today. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David, and David inquired. He asked God this question, shall I go after the people that just took everything from me? Shall I go after them, and if I do, will I overtake them? And God responded to David and said, pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. Verse 18, David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives, and there was nothing lacking to them. Can I tell you two things that happened at a place called Ziklag? Number one, you encourage yourself, and then you recover everything that the enemy stole. The problem is some of you are trying to take back what the enemy stole, but you haven't encouraged yourself. First of all, you've got to encourage yourself. You've got to know that God is with me. You've got to have confidence that everything is going to be all right. You've got to have confidence that God is going to bring you through. First. David encouraged himself, and then David recovered. Somebody say, oh, I'm not satisfied with getting back some of what the enemy took from me. Hey, if every backslider, if every, backslider is an old phrase. It's probably an offensive phrase today. But if every person that was once a part of this church and is no longer a part, amen, those that used to be serving God and no longer are, if just those people came back to this church, this building and the next one we're going to build wouldn't be big enough for the revival. And I thank God for the few that have come back, but I'm not satisfied with one or two. Amen, God's going to give us all of them back. Come on, Mom, he can give you back your children. Come on, Dad, he can give you back your children. We've got to have faith today that God will give us back everything. You've got to have a ziklag moment in your life. You've got to have a place where you encourage yourself. I know it's good to have the encouragement of others. And we need to do that. Shaq is going to be teaching on that Wednesday night of how important it is that we encourage one another. But guess what? You can't always encourage. You can't always rather rely upon the encouragement of others. Unfortunately, there's just times when life gets busy and people have things going on and they're maybe not as perceptive to what you're going through as they should be. 
Amen. But you can't just give up and say, well, nobody prayed for me. You can't just walk out on God and say, nobody cared for me. Sometimes you got to just reach down and encourage yourself in the Lord. If nobody prays for me, I know how to pray my way through this storm. If nobody encourages me, I know how to encourage myself in the Lord. If nobody grabs my hand and walks down to the front with me, I'm man enough to walk down there on my own and worship my way through this thing. I wish somebody right now would encourage yourself in the Lord. You just begin to say, I'm going to make it. I don't know how, but I'm going to make it. I don't know when, but I'm coming through. All of the ones that should have been encouraging David were the ones having conversations about stoning him. Brother Alberti did such a masterful job this morning. Talking about the pain of betrayal. And David could have sat there listening to his men whisper about stoning him. Amen. But the answer is not to become so paralyzed in the moment. The answer is not to go into social media and post all of your woes. I didn't know this, but in studying, they actually have a term for it. It's called victim signaling. It's a real thing. It's a a psychological thing. Where you post how bad your circumstances are and what a poor, pitiful person you are. I'm such a mess up. I've made such a mess of my life. Psychologist Terrence Watts writes in his post on this thing called victim signaling. Listen, this is powerful. He says the response to such writings are entirely predictable and they are the exact purpose that the post was placed there in the first place. Because the response is that a bunch of virtuous virtuous signals pick up on the victim signal and they start sending all of these positive posts. Don't let the world come out and get you. You're awesome. You're amazing. And that's the reason they post in the first place. And so the victim laps up all the pity and all the ego and all the attention, which is the reason why they did in the first place. That's not the answer. The answer is not to get on social media and talk about all your mistakes, to talk about how bad things are. The answer is get yourself into a prayer room. Amen. Get yourself into the presence of God and don't leave until you're encouraged. Don't come out of there until you can see your way through. I'm not a victim. I am a conqueror. I'm a victor. I'm an overcomer. I wish somebody get a hold of that today. I know you might be going through it, but you are not a victim. I've got Jesus on my side. I'm a child of the king. The answer is encourage yourself and then go get everything the devil took from you. Amen. Four hand claps and a lot of people staring at me right now. Because we've got a whole lot of people in our world today, even in the church, that it's more important to blame somebody than it is to have victory over it. 
It's time for you to encourage yourself. Amen. Stop blaming everybody. Stop trying to figure out whose fault it is. And go get back what the enemy took from you. It doesn't matter why you lost your peace. You got to go get it back. It doesn't matter why you lost your joy. You got to go get it back. Encourage yourself in the Lord. And then go take back everything the enemy stole. If you read the story, David didn't do anything wrong. I mean, he had made a few leadership decisions that I guess they could, but they weren't bad decisions. I mean, in hindsight, they probably weren't the best. But given the circumstances, they looked like right decisions. They were decisions David would have made nine times out of ten. Amen. It wasn't that David had did anything wrong. And now as these men are seeking to stone him, David could have sat there paralyzed as he analyzed who is to blame in this situation. Who is out to get me? Who did this and who did that? But David doesn't do that. David simply encouraged himself and then went and got back everything the enemy stole. Come on, somebody. It's Ziklag for you in this house today. It's time to encourage yourself. It's time to stop playing the blame game. It's time to stop trying to figure out whose fault it is. And it's just time to raise your hands and say, I'm going to take back everything the devil stole from me. I'm operating on about 25% of you doing what you need to do right now. I'm going to say it one more time. It's time to stop trying to figure out whose fault it is. And it's time to encourage yourself. It doesn't matter whose fault it is. There's victory in Jesus. Hallelujah. There are other attributes of Ziklag that were a blessing, that made it a beautiful place. Ziklag was a beautiful place in the story of David. But there are places that we find in God that are meant to be a temporary blessing. And we try to turn them into a permanent residence. What God provides as a rest stop, we set up as our mailing address. Because while Ziklag was a place of blessing in that moment, it also became a binding place. It became a restrictive. David would have stayed in Ziklag. Brother Alberti, he never would have become everything God intended him to be. Yes, we need places of refuge. And yes, we need places of restoration. But those are not places of our residence. Because you will only become everything God desires you to be when you are pursuing. When you are going after. Amen. When you're walking with the Lord. Yes. As long as David stayed at Ziklag, he would be safe, but he would never hold a scepter. In Ziklag, he would find refuge, but he would never rule or reign. Let me present to you just a few reasons why I postulate this from the scripture this morning. The first reason that I would say that, and the scripture bears out, that David would be safe but never hold the scepter is because Ziklag was in the midst of Gath. I mean, if you don't know the story of David too well, 
If you don't, aren't too familiar with the scripture in the name of Gath, doesn't sound too familiar for you. Maybe you've heard of the name Goliath. Well, Goliath, he, he went to Gath High School. Right. He worked at the Piggly Wiggly on, on, in Gath. Are y'all like, what's Piggly Wiggly? I think that's a southern thing. He worked at Food Lion in Gath. Right. He went to Gath Elementary School when he was a young one. He graduated from Gath Community College. David is hanging out in the hometown of Goliath. It hadn't been too long ago that David held up the severed head of Goliath, who was the cousin, the nephew, the uncle, the relative of many of these people that are living of the citizens in the city that he's now dwelling in. And the Bible says they start remembering among themselves. They start talking about it. Hey, isn't that David the guy who killed Goliath? Amen. And remember, all these people are giants. I mean, they're all 8, 10 feet tall. Amen. If David would have walked into Gath, if he would have walked into that environment and said, let me introduce myself, I'm David the champion. All you suckers need to remember that your cousin, your nephew, your uncle Goliath, I'm the guy who killed him. Well, that would be the end of the story. There was an environment in Gath that David had to downplay his past victories. If you recall back in 1 Samuel 17, when David had fought Goliath, before the fight ever took place, they, the, the, the Philistines stood on one side and the Israelites on the other side, and Goliath set down the stakes of the battle. He said, send me out a champion. Send me out a man to fight. And here's what's going to happen. Here's the stakes of the battle. If I win the battle, you will serve me. And if you win the battle, we will serve you. That, those were the stakes of the battle. If David won, the Philistines would be his servants. If Goliath won, the Israelites would be his servants. So here comes David. That, that was a covenant that had been reached. And here comes David walking into Gath. Amen. But David doesn't walk in as a champion. He doesn't walk in pointing to past victories. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 27, verse 5, that David knelt down before Achish, the king of Gath. He did not introduce himself as a champion. Rather, he introduced himself as a servant. Amen. And because Ziklag, amen, in Ziklag, he had to introduce himself as a servant over what he had once conquered. Ziklag will silence your testimony. It will have you downplaying what God once delivered you from. Amen. It will take you back to serving what you once defeated. Amen. I've got to tell somebody today that yes, God can restore you in Ziklag. And God will give you refuge in Ziklag. But you cannot stay there. Because if you stay there too long, you will lose your testimony. If you stay there too long... You will go back to serving what you once defeated. I'm talking to some of you in this building today that you're losing your testimony. Amen. You don't talk about the goodness of God the way you used to. You are a champion and yet you walk around like a servant. You are a victor and yet you walk around like a servant to what you once defeated. It's time to stand up in this house today and introduce yourself. I am David who defeated Goliath. I am victorious. I'm a child of the king. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. 
If you got a testimony today, you ought to stand up and give God praise. Every time you come to church, you ought to lift your hands and testify. God's been good to me. Hallelujah. I I watch it happen. Over time, people that once were on fire for God, they become stale. They become stagnant. They don't remember what God delivered them from. Why? Because you stayed in Ziklag too long. I've got a testimony. Come on, somebody. I've got a testimony. Big Mike, you've got a testimony. Come on, James, you've got a testimony. Josh, you got a testimony. Moses, you got a testimony. Larry, you got a testimony. Adam, you've got a testimony. Angelina, you got. Don't you let the devil silence your testimony. Come on, James, you got a testimony. Bruce, you got a testimony. Brad, you got a testimony. Paul, you got a testimony. Mike, you got a testimony. Don't you silence your testimony just because Goliath's relatives are around. Uh, I'm not going back to serving what God delivered me from. Some of you, the enemy is convincing you that you are a servant to what God wants you delivered you from. God delivered you from lust and yet you find yourself serving it all over again. God delivered you from alcoholism and yet you find yourself serving it again. I want you to know that the indicators are there that you stayed too long in Gath. There's a scepter waiting on you in Hebron. Amen. There's a kingship waiting on you in Hebron. You've got to get up from that place of comfort. I know it's safe in Ziklag. I know it's safe in Ziklag. Saul will never find you there, but you'll never be a king there. Ziklag will silence your testimony. The second reason that I would present to you from the scripture that David could never be king in Ziklag because it was surrounded by Philistines. David could never reign in Ziklag. It was Philistine country. Not only did he have to downplay his past victories, he had to hide his present victories. Read in your Bibles with me in 1 Samuel chapter 27. I'm going to summarize. The Bible says that David and his men went up and made raids against the Geshurites, the Gerzites, the Malachites. For those were the inhabitants of the land from of old, as far as sure to the land of Egypt. David would strike the land and leave neither man or woman alive, but would take away the sheep, the oxen, the donkeys, the camels, the garments, and come back to Achish, the king of Gath. Listen, and when Achish asked David, where have you made raid today? He would ask him, where have your victories been today? And David would hide his victories. He had had victories over pagan nations, godless nations, members of the Philistines. And yet when Achish, the king, asked him about his present victories, David would say, we, we raided Nagab of Judah. I fought my own people. Against Nagab of the Jezreelites, I raided my own people. And against Nagab of the Kenites, 
I read again, these were all his own. David had to hide his present victories. Amen. When you stay in, in Ziklag too long, not just do you have to silence your testimony, you've got to suppress your praise. Amen. You can't talk about the goodness of God. You can't praise God the way he deserves to be praised. You've got to downplay the good things that God is doing in your life when you stay in Ziklag too. I know it's safe there, but you'll never reign there. They raided the Gezerites and the Gerzites and the Malachites. But when he came back to Ziklag, he couldn't talk about the good things that God was doing. He had to lie to Achish. And instead of boasting of how they had overthrown pagan nations, he had to suppress the victories that God gave him. Look at Psalms chapter 20. Commentaries tell us that this psalm was written after God had given David a victory in battle. Not the same victory, but this was how David normally celebrated the victory that God had given him. Some say that David wrote this psalm the day after he had been victorious in battle. Here's how it would normally go when David had won a battle. He would say, we rejoice in thy salvation. And in the name of our God, we will set up banners. The Lord fulfill all of thy petitions. Now know that I, the Lord, saved his anointed. He will hear from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in horses and some in chariots. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. That's how David would normally celebrate. Normally David would walk into church on Sunday with his hands raised. Let me tell you about the goodness of Jesus. Let me boast on the goodness of the God that I serve. He gave me a new job. He put my marriage back together. Amen. My children are serving the Lord. He gave me good health. And yet some of you walked in today with your knuckles dragging the ground. You walked in with your head pointed down. Why? Because you've been in Ziklag too long. And you can't give God the praise. I come to let the devil know today, I'm leaving Ziklag. I'm going to give God the praise. I wonder if anybody, God's doing anything good in your world right now. Why don't you give him praise? The only reason you can't praise him is because you've been in Ziklag too long. Well, I'm not really sure, Pastor. You got breath in your body? Well, I'm not sure, Pastor. How'd you get here today? Most of you got here in a vehicle. How'd you get that vehicle? God blessed you. If you don't need a reason to praise him, let me give you a few reasons right now. If you got out of bed this morning, you got a reason to praise him. If you're walking on two legs, you got a reason to praise him. If you can raise both hands, you got a reason to praise him. If you can make noise come out of your mouth, you got a reason to praise him. We're more blessed than we've ever been. It ought to be easy for you to give God praise. It ought to be natural for you to give God praise. Come on, that same David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually, shall continually. 
Get your eyes off of your problems and get your eyes on Jesus. I will think of the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Come on, in a place called in a place called Ziklag, you can't talk about how good God is. You gotta suppress your victory. You can't talk about how God is overthrowing your enemies. You can't talk about how God is giving you victory. You gotta keep that side. Pray to God, I don't ever walk into this church and there's an absence of praise. I pray to God we don't ever walk into this building. And there's an intimidating spirit where you can't even lift your hands and give God praise. It ought to be the other way around. If you can't give God praise, you ought to feel out of place. It ought to feel weird to sit there and stare while God's moving in this building. For the next 30 seconds, I want you to give God praise. If he ain't done nothing for you, then you don't have to give him praise. But if he's ever delivered you, if he's ever healed you, if he's ever made a way out of no way, Come on, I'm leaving Ziklag. I will not keep quiet about the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Let me hurry to a close. Ziklag was finally a place of compromise. See, Ziklag was a gift. From Achish, the king of Gath. Even as I read it, why, why would a relative of Goliath give David a piece of property? Why would he give him a city to dwell in? What, what was his motive behind that? At one time, Ziklag had been the inheritance of the nation of Israel. It had belonged to the tribe of Simeon. Somewhere along the, the lines, either through battle or political negotiating, it had now come into the hands of the Philistines. And now Achish sees an opportunity. I'll give back to David something that rightfully belongs to him anyhow. And in so doing, I'll make a servant out of a slayer. Knowing that David needed a place to hide. And knowing that if he gave David Ziklag, he would turn a giant killing anointed king into a passive servant. Listen to the words of Achash, king of Gath in 1 Samuel 27. The Bible says, so did David. He downplayed his testimony and suppressed his praise. And this is Gath speaking, and he said, so will be the manner. A king of Gath, Achish speaking, he said, this will be the way of all while he dwells in the country of the Philistines. As long as he's in Ziklag, the king of Gath, Achish, the king over Ziklag is saying this. As long as he lives in Ziklag, he said, he hath made his people Israel utterly to abhor them. Therefore, he will be my servant forever. The king of Gath said, I'll give David land. And in return, a man that was anointed to be king will be nothing more than a servant. A man that has the power to slay giants 
will be nothing more than a weak, passive servant as long as I can get him to stay in Ziklag. Amen. That is what the enemy is looking over this congregation today. And he's saying about many of you, as long as he can get you to stay in Ziklag, he doesn't have to fear you. As long as he can get you to stay in Ziklag, you are no concern to the enemy. As long as he can silence your testimony and suppress your praise, you will be a servant of the enemy forever. I know he's a fear giant killer. I know the prophet has already anointed him to be the next king over Israel. But as long as he lives in Ziklag, he will be my servant. Amen. Yes, Ziklag was a place that David found refuge. A place that he would be encouraged and restored. But you will never reign there. And some of you, God did great things for you at one season in your life. But you haven't moved on from that. You're still in that same place. And you're going back to serving things that God has once delivered you from well I must be doing all right because the enemy's not fighting me any longer no 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 the enemy's smart he compromised with you he said I'll give you this little safe place in God as long as you shut your mouth and don't talk about the goodness of God in your workplace I'll give you this nice little t- you come to church on Sunday and raise your hand in fact just come every third Sunday you don't have to come every Sunday that's a little pastor dig right there Just, just come to church. and I won't, I won't mess with you because the enemy knows as long as you stay in that safe, comfortable place, all you will ever be is a servant and you'll never be a king. You'll never be everything God has anointed you to be and called you. It's time. I know Ziklag was a place of safety. I know Ziklag is a place of comfort. But I'm preaching to some people in this room today. You were not anointed to be a servant. You were anointed to be a king. It's time to stand up on your feet and let the devil know I am not your servant. I will not serve you any longer. I'm not looking for a compromise. The the enemy has brought you to a place where your testimony is silenced. When's the last time you talked about the goodness of God outside of this building? For that matter, when's the last time you talked about the goodness of God in this building? Your praise is suppressed. Your praise isn't what it once was. You're not quick to give God the honor. You get a raise, oh, that's because I worked hard. At one time in your life, you'd have been quick, oh, that's the goodness of God. I got a raise, oh, that's God blessing me. I got a pay increase, that's God blessing me. Amen, I got moved into a position I didn't deserve. That's God blessing me. Amen, but when you've been in Ziklag too long, that's my hard work. That's my education. I, 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 I just, I was faithful to my job for a long time, so I deserve. Hey, that's what happens. Your praise starts becoming suppressed. And you're serving things that you once defeated. You've come to a spiritual stalemate, a place of compromise with your enemy. Devil, you don't hurt me and I won't hurt you. I'll just come to church and be quiet. Little church, church mouse on the third pew, the fourth. I don't want nobody to feel singled out. Eighth pew, tenth pew, I don't care. I'll just, I'll just come to church and do my thing if you'll leave me alone, devil. How lame is that? I want the devil to fear me. 
I want the devil to remember that I once walked through this territory with the head of a giant. Come on, I'm not a servant. I'm a giant slayer. I'm not a servant. I'm a champion. I'm not a loser. I'm a victor. I'm not going to silence my testimony. I want everybody to know I'm the one who slew Goliath. You want to open your mouth right now and remind the devil who you are in Jesus Christ. Ziklag is a great place for a season. But it's a terrible place to establish your mailing address. It may be safe, but you'll never be victorious. There may be peace, but you will never prosper. You may be safe from what you've been running from, but you will never possess what you've been pursuing. As long as you live in a place where your testimony is silenced, you will never reach your potential. As long as you live in a place of suppressed praise, you will never fulfill the destiny that God has in your life. But it's at the beginning of the second book of Samuel. Saul and Jonathan have died in battle. And now David, the Bible tells us, 16 months he's dwelt in Ziklag, surrounded by Philistines, compassed by the armies of Gath. One year and four months of a silenced testimony. 66 weeks of suppressed praise. And David asked God the question, shall I go up? God, I've been at this place too long. Lord, I thank you that you gave me refuge, but I can't stay here. Lord, I know that you gave me safety from what was pursuing me, but I have come to a place where I'm no longer pursuing the greater call of God upon my, and some of you need today to come down to this altar and say, God, shall I go up? I want to tell you God has an anointing on you, and you'll never be anointed king while you're living in Ziklag. The only way that you can be king is you've got to leave Ziklag, and you've got to go to Hebron. Stand with me if you would. The Bible tells us for the Alberti immediately, just four verses into that second chapter of the second book of Samuel, David comes to Hebron and the Bible says immediately, Brother Gary, immediately, the men of Judah come to David and immediately they anoint him king. The anointing is already there. God's just waiting on you to stop staying in a place of comfort. God's waiting on you to stop being comfortable with living in a place where your testimony is silenced and your praise is suppressed. In a place of spiritual compromise where you and the enemy have reached an agreement that you'll leave him alone if he leaves you alone. You need to make up in your mind today, I'm, I'm the devil's worst nightmare. Come on, Brother Gary. I'm reading that book you gave me, bro. My God, what a testimony. What a te and you, you know what, Brother Gary, the devil would love more than anything to take you back to what God brought you out of. The answer is not finding you a comfortable little place to dwell. The answer is you got to go to Hebron. The answer is you got to get up from your place of comfort and say, I'm going after everything God has for me. I want us to raise our hands together in this house.
Some of the ways the enemy works to silence our testimony is comparison. Well, my testimony is not as powerful as Brother James's. My testimony is not as good as Big Mike's. Nobody wants to hear about my testimony. My testimony is weak and puny. And the enemy tells Khadijah, you don't have it. You're a church girl. You've been raised in church all year. What a powerful testimony that is, Khadijah. What a powerful testimony that is of the keeping hand of God. You know how many parents hope that their kids grow up with your testimony? That they've not had to experience any of the cruelty of this world? You've got a powerful testimony. Don't be silent in this season, Khadijah. Don't stay in ziklag. There's an anointing, Khadijah God. How do you believe that? I, I know I'm talking to Khadijah. I feel the, the spirit of God right now. Khadijah, God has an anointing for you. Come on, in the name of Jesus, God has an anointing for you. God is waiting on some people in this building today that will say, I'm tired of living in the comfort of Ziklag. Yes, at one time it was a refuge for me. Yes, at one time it was restoration for me. But God has more for me. Hallelujah. Lift those hands in praise unto the Lord in the name of Jesus. Come on, in the name of Jesus, there are anointings. There are anointings in this house today. Not pastoral anointings that I can place on you. There are God placed. And the prophetic has already visited you. The oil has already been poured out upon you. Amen. And the king, amen, King Achish is saying, if I can just get them to dwell in this comfortable, safe place, they will never be the king that God called them to be. They'll always be a servant that is no threat to my kingdom. Amen. I'm telling somebody in this building today, you need to make up in your mind, I will not stay in Ziklag. I'm going to become everything God has anointed me to be. I want to ask right now, if you're here today and you know that God has anointed you for more, that God has called you for more, that doesn't mean where you're at is bad, but you know God has more, I want you to come to this altar right now. Make room. Press in if you can. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghope.com md.com so I'm gonna wait on you cheese I'm gonna wait on you cheese